Welcome to Stage Doorcast. It's episode number two. Thank you for all of you who listened last week. And remember, you can contact us by emailing mail at stagedoorcast.co.uk. Richard, good evening. Evening. We've made it to number two. Number two, yes. That's more than many shows make it, of course. So Excellent. We should be very pleased about that. <laughs> right. Where are we going to start, Richard? What's your first item for the agenda? Okay. Well, I, I'd like to start with Carousel. I, I went to see uh, a concert version of Carousel a couple of weeks ago at uh, Cadogan Hall, and it's really I, it's really just to highlight these these little things that are going on that people don't often you know think about seeing. And uh, Cadogan Hall is really good for these one night only um, concert versions of shows, and they're usually done with a huge orchestra and uh, a good cast. And this Carousel had uh, Joanna Riding, Janie D. Um, Hadley Fraser and Patricia Routledge was the narrator. So, and Matthew Kelly was the star keeper. So you, you know, you can't get much better than that, really. Um, it was all done with a big forty-piece orchestra, uh, conducted by Alex Parker. And um, when you see the shows done like that, you actually, in a funny sort of way, you don't miss the fact that there's no set, there's no scenery, you know, there's no costumes. They are doing the show, and you're hearing the lovely orchestral arrangements that were originally written for the show. And um, I love them. They're done about twice a year. Um, and you've got, just got to look at the Cadogan Hall website to see when they're coming up. Um, I think there's a Godspell one coming up, but that might be by musical theatre students. These other ones are usually done by professionals. But have a look at the Cadogan uh, Hall website. It's really easy to get to, and they're not hugely expensive, and it's a great night out. Yeah, and it's it's a bit of a hidden gem, isn't it? A, a lot of people just it just passes them by because I didn't know about it until well a couple of years ago, and you alerted me to it. And uh, I'm certainly going to keep my eye on the website and make sure that uh, we go to stuff if there's stuff there we want to see. Yeah, I mean they also do some you know not so well known things. I, I I've had a little whisper that the next one he's going to do is um, a Sondheim. I don't know what it is, but it. Um, is uh, apparently to sort of celebrate sometimes 90th birthday next year. So Alex Parker, who puts all these things together and conducts the, the orchestra, um, I heard that it was going to be a Sondheim um, on Twitter, but uh, uh, I'm, I don't know which one it's going to be. But they're well worth a look, and they're usually um, a really really good quality and a, a really good quality cast, usually West, you know all West End singers and actors, and they usually have a chorus, uh, who are provided by one of the uh, musical theatre schools in either London um, for Carousel. It was Guildford School of Acting, who unfortunately have got to cut some of their courses. I was reading a little bit earlier, so because of funding. But they were the chorus for this Carousel, and they were absolutely fabulous. And when you see, when you hear the whole thing done like that, um, it sort of makes you want to go and see the show again, even though it's Carousel, you know, and you may have seen it a million times before. You know, we can reminisce about Carousel, can't we? Mm -hmm. We both been involved in so many productions of it over the years in fact i it was i think it was the first show i ever stage managed carousel mm -hmm. uh, to be honest with with a very very well-known uh leading lady in in the um leading role uh josephina gabrielle but i also had the honor of playing the dead body in that production <laughs> because we had quite a complicated um transformation scene where the actor who was playing billy stabbed himself and fell behind a load of uh, crates and the, the men all gathered around. And while covering the wing, I crawled on. I was obviously dressed identically. And, uh, and I was quite a bit slimmer then as well. And uh, 
and then they picked me up and carried me off thus leaving him on stage to carry on the scene it was uh, apparently very effective i'm told if, although if i never saw it myself if only you'd have been at cadogan hall a couple of weeks ago Cliff. well indeed indeed <laughs> i missed the opportunity didn't i well but i did I, actually, I did actually see some people tweet about it so um I, it's a lovely show. It's one of my favourite shows of all time, to be honest. It is, and I think it's one of Rodgers and Hammerstein's most sort of complete scores. It's got a fabulous overture, which leads into the Carousel Wars, and you know, I, I just think from there that the, the, the music really, really tells the story um, beautifully. Um, it all fits; it, the, all the songs fit the characters, and um, it was a wonderful night. Yeah, and there was a very, very good production of it at the National Theatre in about, um, I think the early 90s or about 1994 i think if my memory serves me correctly at the cottesloe which is now called something else i think um i think it's called the dorfman theater now right. but uh, the cottesloe theater and they did a very very clever overture where they used the revolve of the stage and they just assembled the um carousel on the revolve and suddenly uh, a sort of top bit came down from the flies and the whole thing started moving it was quite magical well, that's the other thing for amateurs, isn't it, of course, the the, the, um, the scourge of the carousel, really. I mean, how do you do it on most amateur stages? A lot of people can't afford to hire, the, you know, the, the actual thing or have got room for the actual thing. Most amateur stages don't have revolves. So you've got to be quite, uh, you've got to think a bit laterally about that, haven't you? Yeah, I've done it twice. I've done it with Kingsbury, which was the first one when I was the dead body. And I've also done it with Wembley or WOS, as they're now known. And we actually had a real carousel for that. And it was driven by a giant rope that was pulled by many burly stage crew from behind <laughs> the scenes. And uh, and that was how it was done. But it was quite quite effective, I think. Mm. Uh, I think the uh, the um, getaway clause is if you're on a really small stage, you have a sign saying to the carousel pointing yes. off stage. That's, yes. that's what we generally do. <laughs> but uh, it's a great show. It is a great show. And uh, as I say, look out for these uh, one night only. Uh, yeah concert versions at Cadogan Hall they are fabulous now last week we had a little discussion or we started a discussion about um well we were talking about Lemmy's and we were talking mm -hmm. about the changeover from the current show to the new production which is happening in the autumn and I started to um have a little think about stunt casting which is something that uh, we thought we would just explore a little bit more this week because there's been some news this week hasn't there well, yeah, um, at the beginning of the week, there was some news about um, Waitress, the musical, which is uh, in London at the West End at the moment. And apparently they are going to be changing cast and they are casting Ashley Roberts, who um, used to be in the Pussycat Dolls um, in, in one of the leading roles in the West End. Now, this caused a little bit of consternation and... I was following some some feeds on Twitter about this, and I got the impression that um, it wasn't very well handled in 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 in, in such that um, the actress who's currently playing the role that Ashley Roberts is going to play had been asked to sort of stay on in on sort of on call in case uh, Ashley Roberts couldn't couldn't make certain performances now. And people were getting, you know, what Twitter's like, getting incredibly outraged about all of this. I don't know if any of that's true. Um, if it is, it sounds a little bit odd. Um, but other people were saying that, you know, it's another example of sort of stunt casting um, just to try and fill some seats. Um, 
I haven't made up my mind whether stunt casting is bad or good. Really, I, I don't. I don't know. I guess if a, I guess if a show is doing badly, the producers think they've got to do something, otherwise it will close. Um, and maybe a last ditch attempt at doing something is to hire someone who is a known, you know, a name who will pull in some some ticket sales. Um, yes, it's at the expense of of another actor or actress um but if the show keeps running is that is that really a negative thing what do you think Cliff? well I, I i'm a bit um i have sort of uh two different views about this really i guess i'm i'm not familiar with this show i haven't seen it yet i don't know what it is about the sort of show it is it's about a waitress i saw it a few weeks <laughs> thank you um but if it was uh, i'm just trying to think back to some other shows in the past that you might consider in a derogatory way you might call bubblegum musical shows i don't know if this would fulfill that or whether it's actually a sort of fully formed script or whether yeah, it is so a it's, it's pretty good it's uh it's pretty good pretty tuneful pretty funny um i just don't know if it's if it was ever going to be a, a big west end hit i think it's been quite big in america and therefore you know people think it would have been very big here yeah and they brought the american star over for the first few weeks or months and now i think uh either she wants to move on um and so and i don't think ticket sales have been hugely impressive um, yeah I, where, where where is it on rich is it yeah i knew you were going to ask me that and i don't know i can't remember. Oh, i was just thinking roughly the number of seats is it is it like a thousand seater is it 700 seats or something like that yeah it, I, it's quite a big theater i can't remember where so oh, so uh, it, it's it's going to be struggling to fill it in, I think in so. the downtimes. i think you know I, I think also once that uh that person who came from america had gone i think the the initial rush to see her maybe if yeah. there was one uh has has waned a bit well, this is what I think about this particular story because I had to think about it. I think in this case, I'm not sure it's a justified complaint because Ashley Roberts has certainly got the chops to do this sort of role, I would think. Um, she's got plenty of experience in singing mm -hmm. um, and she's done an awful lot of work um, sort of theatrically and yeah. on presenting and on stage. So I would have thought in this case, I would have thought if her singing was up to par, and I'm pretty sure it would be, um, I wouldn't have thought it'd be a big problem. Yeah, I think the Twitter response was more to do with the way the actress who's playing the role now was yeah. being treated. Because I, I got the impression that she she wasn't intending to to leave. Mm. Uh, she's just been asked to step aside for a while. So, you know, I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? I mean, just before we started recording this tonight, we were just having a brief discussion about this, and I was bringing up the thing about. And, and I'm sure this will make a really interesting discussion in a future week for a future episode when you are dealing with the sort of shows we've been involved in production in the past is that you are in an auditioning situation and someone just taps you on the shoulder and says so-and-so that you're about to see for this part. He's a really very important member of this society. He's really, really, he brings up an awful lot of custom. Yes. And you kind of almost felt feel that you're being leaned on to be preferential for someone. And I mean, I know what you think about that and I know what I think about that, but um, people do get put under pressure to do that sort of thing because they say, well, this person is really much more important to us than the next person. Well, again, you know, in the West End, it's it's I think it's slightly different because it's coming down to the bottom line, isn't it? The money that mm. these people can bring in um, to a certain extent, I suppose that that 
transfers to the semi-pro or amateur stage. But, you know, somebody who sells a lot of tickets, who's known for doing that, um, might might be uh, a good person to have in a leading role. But um, probably the most prevalent show that is responsible for this in the last few years has been Chicago, mm. which has run, um, well, it finished a run last year, didn't it? Which yeah. ran for a couple of years, I think. And then it's been periodically on and off for a long time. Yeah. And it, it got into a habit of, of stunt casting the part of Billy Flynn, uh, partly yeah. because, because that is a relatively straightforward part. It's not yeah. complicated and it doesn't have that many lines. No, nope. it does require some singing. And yeah. we went to see it last year uh, with Cuba Gooding Jr. in the role. And yes. there is no doubt he's a great actor and yes. he's a great dancer, but there is equally no doubt that he cannot sing no. in, in the musical style. And he struggled, uh, I think, through that role. And, he, you know, sort of we came out thinking, well, it was a nice show. It was a great show, but the edge was slightly blunted because of that. And, of course, they've done that a lot with that show, but sometimes they sort of um, they put someone in who's really good, who, who you know, may be not a typical musical theatre actor, but actually just gets it. And does well, it really they, all, well. they almost made it a thing with that role, didn't they? That, that, yeah. that it was going to be changed every couple of months, or it mm. was every three months or something. They changed it the last time. I saw Martin Kemp, I believe, um, the last couple of years ago, and I mean, he was very good because obviously he's he's a singer. Um, but like you say, it's one of those roles that somebody somebody who can hold a tune should be able to do it and if they can make if they can if they can extend the show a bit and make a bit of money on it they obviously did because it went on for years like that with, with yeah yeah and it, it ran very well for the last this last um iteration it it, mm. it ran for a decent length of time and it's so, not it's not a complicated show in the respect of you say well it is you know if you look at it from a, from a point of view of how you put that show on you can put it into virtually any theatre in a day. It's yeah. really not very complicated. It's it's an easy show to stage. Mm. It's not like sort of doing a show with fantastic sets or you know big complicated automation. It's really no. not like that at all. I think it's it's um, if producers think that somebody will bring them, you know, the money they need to keep the show running. I think that's probably going to continue. Yeah, well, it's an interesting. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at an article on the stage now, which is actually from a few months ago, but, but because you talked about this show last week, it's uh, Michael Linnett, who is the producer of Man of La Mancha. Yes. And he was talking at the time about his uh, bringing Kelsey Grammer in to play the lead role. Mm. And I think this is probably this article or around that time, this is when the thing we were talking about last week started about, you know, I wonder if he's capable of doing it. And, you know, I think from what I've seen of it, he's absolutely capable of doing it and there was no problem at all. But he's saying in this article that it's a six-week run, it's a big house, we have to attract star names because big stars won't commit to six months, but they will come for six weeks. And then if they come for six weeks, you can sell all the seats. Mm. And and that's, a you know, you've got a big orchestra to support, you've got a big a show to support, and I can see the point. I imagine the producers of Chicago thinking exactly the same way when they're looking at Billy Flynn. I imagine yeah. they think if we can ask, if we can get someone to do it for eight weeks, who who is you know a big name, excellent. I think I think the problem with Kelsey Grammer was he may be not a big enough name as they maybe think he is over here. I don't know. I um, think there's a certain 
I mean, for those of us of a certain age who are used to Cheers and seeing Frasier, yeah. and I think, but you know, anyone who was born after about two thousand, yeah, they probably wouldn't even know who he was. No, I think that might bring us on nicely to the next musical that I saw, which was Legally Blonde. I saw that last week. Ah, yes. I I, I enjoyed it, but I I got the impression that it wasn't actually it wasn't aimed at me. Um, because, well, you're not blonde, Richard. For a start. well, I'm not. I'm not blonde. No, but it or legal, all all legal. Um, and I think the thing was, I'd ne- I've never seen I'd never seen the film either, so I didn't know what what to expect. Nothing wrong with the story. Nothing wrong with the production. Nothing wrong with the 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 cast. They were all fabulous. The band was great, um, but it was so loud. It was very amplified, and it's very poppy, and. Um, um, because of that, I couldn't really understand the words of some of the songs, and um, it was it was hurting my ears. Um, but you know, everyone around me, all of the audience around me, who were all quite young, loved it, and so good for it. You know, Legally Blonde. I'm glad I've seen it. It's one of those that you think is the new sort of that because it's not a new show now i think it was around from 2007 i was reading up about it i think it was 2007 it was first around so it's not that new but it was one of the first of that new type of show i think that was specifically aimed at um well a different generation to me um and where was it, Rich? Where, where was it? It was, it was done by um, a, a group of musical theatre students from Trinity Laban, and it was at Stratford Circus Arts Centre, which is right next door to the Theatre Royal Stratford East. So um, it was only there for two, two or three nights, I think it was, um, and they, they double cast it. So uh, I saw one cast, and there was a different cast the following day. But, you know, the cast was, was fantastic, and, um, it, and, and it's a good way to see these shows, uh, you know, these, these um, student productions. Um, but I didn't feel it was particularly aimed at me. Um, uh, so the audience loved it, and it was a great sort of production, um, but I don't think I'd go and see it again. Yeah. Uh, but I, th- I think also uh, it's a bit of a shame in a way that we've started this podcast now, because once we get this um, end of term out of the way, when we get a bit further into the season, we can actually start promoting these things in advance and then encouraging people yeah. to go and see them as well, because they are uh, really good value as well, aren't they? They're well, it's another, it's another thing we were we were sort of wanting to talk about tonight, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean they are they are very good value, and you you get to see some really unusual shows. I mean, uh, there's you know in in London, it's uh, you know Arts Education, Mount View, um, Guildhall, Trinity Laban, the Royal Academy. They all do musical theatre courses, and all of those courses throughout the year um, have a number of shows that they do some of them are musicals some of them are not um but most of them are and they can be anything you know they can be gns they can be a rogers and hammerstein they can be um a new musical old musical it just depends on the i I suppose the students that they've got and what the um the faculty want to put on that year so they are very good and it's well worth looking out on on the websites of these uh, theatre schools because they're always advertised there. You can usually buy your tickets through them, and um, they're usually a very very good night out. Excellent. I should say that it's a bit of a shame that the sound was a bit ropey or too loud because 
uh, this week the Spice Girls on their opening night, I think yes. in Cardiff, had similar problems. A lot of people complained about the sound there. I think and, the, um, the first two concerts were like that. They had. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things. There is a there is a um, a school of thought in modern producers that loud is good. Mm. And that isn't always the case, but uh, I've spent enough of my career trying to persuade people to the other other extreme. So, <laughs> incidentally, just uh, going back to the yes. stunt casting, I did notice a a poll that was being run in the stage, and up until when I looked at it about five minutes ago, they asked the question: Do you basically, to paraphrase, do you think it's a good idea, or don't you think it's a good idea? And the poll was split exactly fifty fifty. Mm. I looked at it. So about half of the respondents of the stage, and let's be honest, the stage is not read by the average member of the public, is it? It's it's people who are interested in the business. Mm. Uh, about half of them thought, yeah, it's okay to stunt cast, and about half of them thought it wasn't. So take of that what you will. Yes, interesting. Yeah. Now, there's a story here which um, is from you about gender swapping. Yes. Um, now, I know nothing about this story, so I'm going to have to kick this one over to you. Well, again, I saw this article, um, and it struck me because we were talking about company um, last week, um, and we were talking about the the new version with the gender swapping and some of the, the role swapping that went on there. And I, I was reading about a production of Noel Coward's present present laughter which is going to be at the old vic from june until august this year um and they're going to the the producer is going to gender swap several roles and uh he's going to introduce a bisexual central character um now he says that uh you know, with, with old plays, you owe it to them, and I'm quoting this here, you owe it to them to explore what was radical about them in the first place. Um, with Coward, he's very outspoken on the subject of sex, but inevitably he's focused on heterosexual relationships uh, because of the laws of the time. So it seemed an opportunity for us to confront Coward's feelings about his real desires. Um, so, you know, they're, they're doing it for a reason, um, but it just it just made me think, well, are we going to see this a lot more now? Are we going to see the sort of um, unusual sort of casting and, and swapping of characters and even sexes of characters um, in, in some things where we think it's not such a good idea? I don't yeah. know. No, I, I mean, it's a bit like Matthew Bourne's um, Swan Lake, isn't it? When that was first done, that was considered a really kind of... Uh, really avant-garde and really out there but mm. now it doesn't seem so strange no people have got used to it and i suppose if like company it gives you a different sort of view of the play or the show which is equally as good as the you know the way it was written just sort of maybe more relevant to the times we're in now i suppose um you know good luck to them yeah i and actually talking about the old vic i just wish to draw our listeners' attention to the Young Vic with Death of a Salesman, which I know is a, a straight play and not a musical, but I think it's um, well worth, if you're interested, going to see if you can, because it's running until the 13th of July, and it's directed, one of the co-directors is Marianne Elliott, Elliot, who directs Company. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's, by all accounts, it's the most brilliant production. And uh, 
it stars Wendell Pierce, who is a very well-known American actor who's in The Wire and Suits and Selma, making his UK stage debut as Willie Loman, and Sharon D. Clarke, who is just everywhere at the moment, really. Mm. Um, but I think it's well worth a, a visit if you can. And of course, uh, you've still got a few months, a few weeks to, to see that, so that's really worth, highly recommended, I think. Mm. Good. I, I, there was some sad news. Um, I mentioned last week um, I'd seen Amour at Charing Cross. Yes. And I noticed today that it's going to close um, six weeks early. Um, it's only now running till the 8th of June, and it's such a shame because it's such a, a glorious piece of theatre. And it's all down to, again, you know, it, it didn't uh, manage to um, get an audience. So that's a real shame. Well, it just shows you, doesn't it, that the um, it's a very tenuous business, the mm. uh, theatre business particularly. And, uh, and to be fair, all of uh, the entertainment business is a bit like that at the moment as well. The film business is very much like that. Um, uh, and uh, the TV business most certainly is. I mean, there are a lot of people worrying about how they're going to afford the next thing they're going to do and uh, where the money's coming from. Yeah. And it's, it's certainly difficult. Yeah. Um, if I may talk briefly about film. Um, of course. Um, my good lady wife and I went to see Rocket Man at the, on Monday. Ah, uh, the Elton John biopic. Yeah, I say biopic. It's not really a biopic. It's a fantasy musical, but it is based upon his uh, life. And we both really liked it as a film. It's a really, really good film. And if you like Elton John or you like his music, I definitely recommend it. I think it's really worth going to see. Um, and if you don't like his music so much, but you're interested, I still think it's worth going to see because it's an extremely well-constructed musical piece of musical film. Um, and, I understand uh, that the lead, the lead guy is, uh, is, is excellent. Well, yeah, and again, here, here's the thing. I, you know, when he was cast, everyone was saying, oh, well, it's, you know, it's big shoes to fill. Will he be able to sing the songs and he sings every single song and he sings them very well but he doesn't try and do an impression he tries to sing them in a kind of uh, a referential way he references the performance rather than tries to do a straight rip off of it and w which i think is the correct thing to do i understand he also learned to play the piano for the role as well yeah i think he did i think he did learn it sufficiently well that he could get away with it and it was particularly interesting from my point of view because and and yourself we were brought up in a rather leafy part of northwest london and of course elton was uh, born in pinner which is not very far away from where either of us came from mm. and uh, although he's somewhat older than both of us there are a lot of bits shots around the house and things like that they're very familiar indeed and you know you would think back to the 60s or the early 70s and you think oh that looks that looks pretty pretty much the same as i remember where i lived Mm. So it's a really interesting film from that point of view. But it is a musical, and it is a fantasy musical, it has to be said. It, it's not a strict telling of the story, and it is quite dark as well. Um, it's not quite as bad as some people would have you believe. Your maiden aunt might blush a little, but there's nothing in it which is going to offend anyone too much. And again, I understand that... Um... Elton was involved in, in, in it in some way, or did yeah, he? Well, he co-produced it. It's his did company right? produced okay. it, yeah. And, uh, you know, he has a lot of musical theatre chops anyway, because right. um, because with um, Lion King, yeah. Billy Elliot, of course, he was involved with. And he's an Oscar winner and a Golden Globe winner for Lion King with um, Tim Rice. And also 
the original score for Aida, mm. which he which he did with Tim Rice. So he's he's definitely got the musical chop. Um, how, other how than far, to support it, how far t- through his life do they go with the with the with the uh, film? It runs from his childhood up until the point that he leaves rehab, probably about twenty eight years ago. Right. Okay. So it, it 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 covers all of that story. Now, whether you can, and as I say, it is a fantasy. So it's not, you're mm. not going to go there and say, I'm going to take notes and it's going to be an encyclopedic yeah. knowledge of what he, what his life was. But um, it's very well observed, I think, and uh, it's very well worth a watch. It's two hours, um, but a very entertaining two hours. And you don't feel that you've sat there for too long, which no. is, some films is, is the thing. So I, I thoroughly recommend it. Just enough for a box of popcorn. Indeed, a box of popcorn or perhaps two. <laughs> well, I, that's the end of my list, Richard. Have you got anything else? I just wanted to quickly come back to something that you mentioned last week as well. Uh, back to the Future. Oh, uh, yes. A musical. Now, um, a sort of little update on that is that it's going to run in Manchester before it comes to the West End. I don't know if you'd seen that little No, story. I hadn't, but Manchester, the centre of the world. There you go. And it's going to run in Manchester from 20th of February next year to the 17th of May. Um, and there's no detail of where it's going to be in the West End yet um, after that. But, um, yeah, so um, it's it's up to Manchester to start with. Interesting. Yeah, um, and I don't really know much about it other than that. Um, the other thing that I did notice that Big the Musical is coming uh, to the Dominion in September this year to November, just a short run. Uh, it's got a good cast, Jay McGuinness, Kimberly Walsh, Matthew Kelly and Wendy Peters in Big the Musical. Do you remember the film? Tom uh, Hanks. Yes, uh, Tom Hanks, I do, yeah. I do remember it's, the film. You know, it's quite an old film, isn't it, now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I suppose, 80s, would you say? Yeah, I would say it's a, a good 35 years old now. The last thing to promote, I think, is West End Live. I don't know if you've ever been to West End Live. It's uh, two days of musical theatre magnificence in, in, in Trafalgar Square. There's a big marquee and performances from basically all of the West End shows. There's a big long list on the website of West End Live if you want to have a look. And this year it's running on the 22nd and 23rd of June. It's over two days and nearer the time they'll put out a programme telling you what's on what days when you can see your favourite show. So pop along Excellent. to that. Right. Well, that brings us to the end of episode two. Um, we're going to be back in about a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's our plan. Um, I've got a very busy week next week, and I think you're fairly tied up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really hoping to get a guest on, and I've got a couple of feelers out, and uh, one of them is quite interesting. I've got a, a friend who's currently at the National Theatre, and he's understudying a role. And because the National Theatre is a theatre where they actually have proper understudies in other words their understudies actually just are understudies i'm rather hoping we might be able to get an interview with him in his dressing room oh you know before uh, on the half hour just, just as have a quick chat yeah well no hopefully before <laughs> that so i'm going to reach out to him and see if we can um, we can organize that excellent but and uh, and uh, there are a couple of other ideas i've got for um a discussion about uh, various bits of casting and stuff so we'll uh, talk about those in a couple of weeks but okay in the meantime thank you for all of you who are listening thank you for those who've sent us feedback it's much appreciated remember you can email us at mail at stagedoorcast.co.uk and 
check out the Facebook page. Just search for Stage Door Cast. It has got nothing on it at the moment, but it will be being added to as we go along. So, Richard, for another week, goodbye. Yeah, bye for now. Thank you.